This is Mystery Podcast, and I'm author Sherry Todd Bayshore. Today is an introduction with the first of three chapters from my young teen award-winning adventure fantasy trilogy, The Crow Child. So, something new and something a little bit different. When I was still writing for magazines and newspapers, every once in a while, an assignment took on a life of its own. With this saga, though a fiction plot, was like that, a particular favorite of mine that seemed to write itself. Part 1. Thirteen days before Elijah Clearwater's thirteenth birthday, a series of dreams hint of an ancient legend coming true through him. The first dream is of a chieftain leading an ancient clan of 15th century Ireland. The second dream is of a chief leading a tribe of Blackfoot in 18th century West Central North America. Born with cystic fibrosis and orphaned when he was three, perhaps Elijah's dreams are an outlet for the stress of a school bully, or perhaps they foretell of his unusual destiny. Chapter 1 Have you decided what you want for your birthday, Elijah? Grandpa Clearwater stirred his grandson's herb tea slowly with a fresh cinnamon stick. The cloves and ginger broth was still too hot to drink. Thirteen days, you'll be thirteen on April 13th. That makes your age, on your birth date, an exceptionally special birthday. Tree sap sizzled and spit as a fire crackled in the cast iron wood stove. The warm kitchen wrapped Elijah in aromas of burning pine, his grandfather's strong coffee, and steaming spices. He looked up from his bowl of fresh raspberries mixed with applesauce. I want a new bow, a bigger bow. Rock Clearwater ambled to the table with his coffee mug and Elijah's spiced tea. The man's brown eyes almost disappeared when he smiled behind wrinkled brown skin, tanned by years in the sun and his Sarsi Tsitsotina heritage. I see. Well, then, eat up and finish this too. He pushed Elijah's mug across the wide cedar wood table. If you want a bigger bow, you're going to need more muscle, not those spindly birch branches you have now. Elijah giggled and caught juice that dribbled from the corner of his lips as he swallowed. Why do you always make me laugh when my mouth is full? His grandfather pretended to be serious. It's all part of your archery training to develop concentration. Grandpa! But Elijah's laugh started painful coughing spasms. Grandpa Clearwater reacted quickly. Pushing Elijah's head down, he thumped his grandson's back with the cupped palm of his hand to clear his grandson's lungs, then held the nebulizer mask up to Elijah's nose and mouth. After two full minutes, Rock Clearwater eased his grandson to sit upright again on his kitchen chair, then pulled a second chair closer so he could sit next to Elijah. Well, I guess now we don't need to use your chest clapper before you go to bed tonight. With his head resting on his grandfather's chest, it was several more minutes before Elijah's pulse returned to normal and he could take deeper breaths on his own again. Elijah closed his eyes, focusing his mind on the rising and falling of his grandfather's breathing. He could hear the muffled beat of his grandfather's heart, and it calmed him. Later propped up by two pillows in his loft bedroom, Elijah's face was slightly flushed. He was tired but smiled for his grandfather. I have another birthday want that's really more of a don't want. I really, really, really don't want cystic fibrosis anymore, Grandpa. His grandfather frowned. I know, son. I know. Me neither. Have a good sleep. And Elijah did, drifting to a faraway place and time. Scene change. Elijah dreaming. 
A few members of the clan had hidden beneath a rock ledge in the river canyon for two sunsets and three sunrises. Prince Dade stirred the fire embers looking up the length of the steep rocky slope across from his watch point. Reef and Tan still hadn't returned from their early morning scouting. It was late afternoon, and there was less than three hours of daylight left. Dade worried. As he checked over his shoulder toward the sandstone wall, his mate Ona cradled their new infant daughter as she slept. She had been diligent about keeping their child quiet, so the sound of the tiny, piercing voice would not give away the location of this camp. Their oxen remained staked deep into the forest, so the trees and underbrush would muffle their sounds if they made any, but mostly they had grazed quietly, which was fortunate. If his cousin Tor was able to discover more than two of their previous resting places, then he could guess their direction. Following the river was a risk, because Tor would check along its banks for his men and his lieutenants, Baza and Kaji, as they would need water too. A faint light flickered from a handheld rock of mica a mile down the river on the opposite side of the bank. Dade stood and moved closer to the edge. He could tell from the signal that it was Tan. Tan was returning with Reef. Relieved, Dade added more broken branches to the dwindling fire, ensuring that any thin smoke plume was under the rock overhang. When Prince Dade's trusted guards reached the wide-sheltered ledge, Reef reported first. Tor stopped to make a night camp. Then I found him again as he crossed through the forest to reach water. I'm sure Tor does not suspect our exact destination yet. When I saw him at first light, he was with these fighters. Reef held up both hands with all fingers spread. But not Kaji. Much later at the river, he was with only Baza and these fighters. The guard held up just one hand with all of his fingers spread. Tor and those with him are one sunset and one sunrise from us in that direction. Reef pointed southwest. The others, led by Kaji, have remained in the open plains, attempting to track us in that direction. Tan extended his arm straight east. They have separated to cover more area. When I ceased watching them, they were moving in a greater distance from Tor, and by new light they will be another sunrise away and of no threat. We are now of the same number as Tor's smaller tracking party. We stopped so Ona could deliver, the prince reminded his guards. She is good, but still recovering. She's unable to power a sword, and because of her milk, should not use her bow for several more sunrises. Scooping damp soil gathered to smother the small fire, Prince Dade shared his plan. One side of his dark blonde hair, blown by the wind, fell across his chiseled cheekbones, with strands stuck to his beard. Quickly eat the fish Ona's mother cooked, then we clear this camp of any sign we were here. If we use Tor's camp time to continue, we can also use the darkest cover until the moon is high to get closer toward the land of Rudini. Scene change, the following morning. Grandpa Clearwater reached the top metal step on the wide spiral staircase to the loft where Elijah slept. He had to stoop slightly until he reached the peak of the pitched roof where he could stand upright. Elijah's king-size bed was set on a thick hooped rug on the floor. Open box-style shelves were set just below the start of the sloped roof. They held Elijah's clothes and toys. His bins of Lego were often mixed with a pair of socks or t-shirts or a sweater. Watching his grandson sleep, he remembered the first few nights when Elijah first came to live with him and his late wife. They had slept with three-year-old Elijah between them after their son Glenn and daughter-in-law Margaret were killed in a winter car accident. Even two years later, when he was five, Elijah's grandmother still worried that he might choke if he coughed at night. 
so she had insisted they keep the larger bed for their grandson, which allowed them to take turns sleeping beside him. The head of the growing youth, with the unruly mop-top of dark curly hair turned on the pillow. With a deep sigh, Elijah opened his hazel eyes. He saw his grandfather, but said nothing at first, only looking beyond Grandpa Clearwater with a vacant stare for several seconds. I was just about to wake you. Do you want me to thump your back now, or would you rather strap on the chest clapper? Elijah sat up and stretched. The clapper. But after we eat, I'm starving, and I have to pee. Is it snowing? Not yet, but it will be in another two hours by the time your school bus arrives. Rock Clearwater returned to the top of the stairs and started back down. When you go to the outhouse, wear your rubber boots and not my house slippers. His head was just above the floor, or I'll make you go barefoot, he winked. Hurry, our oatmeal is ready. Elijah settled into a chair, waiting for his morning oatmeal. I had the weirdest dream last night, or maybe it was this morning. I mean, it was weird, but not. It made sense, kind of, like I was watching a movie. Grandpa Clearwater filled two bowls with oatmeal. I see. That happens sometimes. The fire burned quieter in their kitchen stove that morning. Elijah noticed there was less bark on the split logs in the firebox. Was there a bow in your dream? Grandpa handed Elijah a small pitcher of maple syrup. Elijah swallowed a bite of his pear. Not really. There was this guy who seemed to be a leader of some kind, and he talked about a bow. Oh, and a sword. And the guy's wife. At least, I think she was his wife. She knew how to fight with sword and a bow, too. Grandpa stirred maple syrup into his hot oatmeal. Your dad taught your mom how to shoot a bow. She had never touched a bow before she moved to Alberta from Ireland, and she got pretty good, too. So was your grandmother. Elijah stopped blowing on his oatmeal. Why didn't I know that? Well, you were three when your parents died, and you were four when your grandmother had her first heart attack. Your Uncle River didn't start archery lessons with you and your cousins for two years after that. You and Jason were six, James was eight, and Joseph was seven. Sarah was only four, and George and Spring were still in diapers then. The wall clock chimed half past the hour. You better finish, and we can do ten minutes with the clapper before you get dressed, unless you plan to wear your frog pajamas to school. Scene change. Half a mile from the end of Elijah Clearwater's driveway, the bright yellow Canmore County school bus rounded a wide bend when he spotted the first snowflakes. He was still trying to catch the wide lake spring snowflakes on his tongue when the bus stopped and the driver, Mrs. Deerling, opened the front side door. He threw his backpack on the floor ahead of him, then climbed the two deep steps. He quickly scanned down the first few rows of occupied and unoccupied seats before deciding to sit beside Sasha Deerling, who always sat behind her mother, this route's bus driver. Sasha was in grade four with his cousin Spring Blackout. Sasha had blonde curly hair, a sweet smile, dark brown eyes, with the thickest glasses he'd ever seen anyone wear except his late grandmother. That morning, Elijah wasn't in the mood to lug his backpack any distance down the center aisle of the bus and hoped to avoid his least favorite big wart, Larry Swallowtail. Hey, stick boy, Larry hollered from six rows behind him. Usually the older kid was distracted playing a video game, but obviously not this morning. Catch a lot of snow with that big mouth of yours? Elijah knew from turbulent history together that if he didn't acknowledge the annoying lump, the tormenting just got worse for several days. He turned in the direction of Larry's voice and waved with a thin-lipped smile. Larry sat by the window, sharing a bus seat with Elijah's older cousin James Black Elk. His other cousin Joseph and Jason sat in a seat behind them. 
He didn't see Sarah, George, or Spring. When Larry was around, Elijah thought his two oldest cousins acted like brainless zombies. Larry had been held back two school grades. He'd been partially raised by two foster families, his sometimes absent mother, and his sometimes sober father. In January, Larry's grandmother had taken him and his parents into her house on her turkey farm north and west of the Sarcy Reservation. Soon after that, Elijah began to wish Larry was still in Calgary's school system, or better still, at the other end of the country, somewhere east of New Brunswick. That ends the first chapter hint for The Crow Child. I hope you're intrigued just enough to want to tune again tomorrow for Chapter 2. Thanks so much for listening.